God, the, the universe is in development, but God too is in development. And because God is in development, consequently, there, were th there are things he can do, but there are things he cannot do. And one of the things that he cannot do is he cannot completely control evil. But because God is good, he's compassionate and he's loving, so that when you and I go through the trials and the difficulties and the suffering in the world, he is there with us to be with us. Now, I read the book once again, and at the end of the book, reading that, thinking that through, I came away rather empty. Because I did not recognize the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in that book. I did, did not recognize the powerful and wonderful God that we know that's in the Word of God. And the truth of the matter is, God is not like that. God is powerful. He's wonderful. He spoke all things into being, my friends. But we still have to wrestle with that question. If that is true, and it is true, why is there so much suffering in the world? Why would a good God allow difficult things to happen? Just this past week, an 18-month-old little boy wandered away from his parents, and it was a sudden tragedy. And right away you think, how on earth could that possibly happen? Well, what we need to do is we need to go back to the beginning. If you uh, went to the movies this afternoon and the movie started at 3 and went to 5 o'clock, you paid your money, but you went in at 4 o'clock and sat down, you would be in the middle of the story. And as you watch the story, you would be asking yourself, what is this person doing and why is that person doing that? You would be in the middle of everything and it would be very difficult for you to understand what was going on. So what we need to do to begin to wrestle with this question, very powerful, important question, we need to go back to the beginning. So if you have your outline out, there's a, there's a word that I'd like you to write down, if you would, please. At the number one point, what I want you to write down is God created a good creation. God created a good creation. Now bear with me, I'm going to try this. Dieu a créé une bonne création. Amen Okay. Très bien. Amen. Okay, take a look at uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. It said that God saw all that he made, and it was very good. It wasn't good, it was very good. What you and I need to learn, first and foremost, that God, when he created all things, he created them in perfection. Many times we will say when we see the suffering of the world and the trials that we go through, God, why did you make a world with all of this mess? But God did not make a world with all this mess. God made a perfect world in every way. Now the crowning glory of God's creation is the man and the woman. And God did something very wonderful and powerful. And what he did was he gave them free will. This is where, this is where it turns. God gave them free will, and giving them free will, he opened up the possibility that evil would come into his creation, his good creation. Now, think about this for a moment. God can be functionally pleased with the animal kingdom. Now, what I mean by that is, is this. God gave instinct to the birds and the bees, the dogs, the cats, all of the animal kingdom. So they do whatever they do by instinct. The birds fly south in the fall because of instinct. The dog eats his bone because of instinct, so on and so forth. 
So consequently, God can be very pleased with his animal kingdom because they are functioning the way he designed them. But he can't be morally pleased with them because he did not give them the power to make choices. God gave the man and the woman power to make choices. They have the power to choose good or to choose bad. You and I have the power to choose good, but we also have the, the power to choose bad. Now, why did God do that? Well, he did it for a number of reasons, but a couple of reasons that we want to understand this morning. First of all, God did not want to, a bunch of robots that just go through life uh, uh, just reacting to the things of the world. But secondly, and most importantly, God did it because of love. He freely loved them, and his heart's desire was that they would freely return that love back to him. And that's what love is. Love can only be given and received freely. You can't make somebody love you, nor do you want to make somebody love you. Uh, I don't want my children to love me because I force them to. I want them to love me because they love me. There's nothing more wonderful in all the world to hear one of my grandchildren say to me, Grampy, I love you. Because my grandchild is saying that out of a free will. But at the same time, God giving them the free will that gave the possibility that evil could come into his good kingdom. Now, if you know the story, God said to them, and here it is right on your outline, Genesis 2.16, The Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. We know that the evil one came into the story. He tempted them, and their decision was God we don't need you anymore. God, we, don't, we want to be independent from you. And therefore, they ate from the tree. And the moment that they ate from the tree, God's word came true. Now, they didn't die physically at that moment. They lived to be 930 years old. But the way they died that moment was they died spiritually. God honored their wishes. They didn't want to be united with him anymore, so he removed the Holy Spirit from them, and they died spiritually. And because of that, you and I are born into this world spiritually dead uh, and alienated from God. That's the tragedy of that decision. Now, what happened was, because they were sovereign over God's creation, he had uh, given them the authority to take care of his creation, it affected all of creation, and to, to this very day it affects you and me. Listen to what uh, Scripture says in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. So evil, disappointment, discouragement, brokenness, war, famine... Uh, murder, all of that came flooding in the moment that they made that, that fatal decision to disobey God and eat of the tree. And because of that, today, you and I experience suffering in our lives. So God made everything good, but he gave people the free will to make choices, good or evil, and they made the choice to, to make an evil choice, and therefore death and sin and all of that came into God's creation. Heartache, brokenness, and we experience that today. Now, what uh, philosophers and theologians teach us, that with that decision, two types of evil came into God's creation. So it boils down to two very specific things. First, it's natural evil. Now, by, by that, what they mean is this. Tornadoes, earthquakes, tsunamis, mudslides, all of these terrible things that destroy people's lives, that's called natural evil. Now, the second evil is human evil. And human evil is what you and I do to each other. 
That's the murder. That's the envy. That's the lust. That's all of these things that we do to one another. Now, what's interesting is there's been a lot of research done on this throughout the years. And uh, one of the researches uh, is rather fascinating. The, the, the research that they came up with was that 95, now listen to this, 95% of all evil that's committed in the world is human evil. In other words, 95% of all the evil that happens over and above natural evil is our evil, what we do to one another. Now it's important to understand because uh, we, we ask that question, God, why are you allowing this to happen when 95% of the time it's our fault? But we want to blame God. Now, they made a choice, and because of that choice, uh, you and I have been affected by it. We can make choices. We suffer because of our, our choices. We are blessed because of our choices. But we also want to understand, secondly, that God made a very, very important choice. And I want you to write this down, if you would, please. God made the choice for his grace to work in a fallen world. So number two, God's grace is working in a fallen, in a fallen creation. God's grace is working in a fallen creation. La grâce du Dieu est à l'œuvre dans la création qui est tomba. La bête? Tomba? Tombé. Close, close. All right. Little Spanish work in there. <laughs> All right. Now, what that means is this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says this. God causes all things to work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Now, God, uh, having witnessed with these two people the decision that they made, because he's God, he saw everything at that moment. He saw all of the wars. He saw all the famines. He saw all of the heart, the brokenness, the wickedness, the evil, everything that you can imagine. God saw all of it in that moment, that they, that they made that decision to sin and rebel against him. Now, at that moment, he could have made the choice to say, there's no way I'm going to put up with this. In fact, what I'm going to do is wipe it all out, and I'm going to be very satisfied with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But he decided not to do that. He made a choice to, to, to operate in grace in a fallen world. Now listen to what the scripture says in Genesis 50, verse 20. This is the story of Joseph. And Joseph was a man who was, uh, lived a very difficult life. His brothers hated him. They sold him into slavery. He went to Pharaoh, and uh, under Pharaoh's control, Pharaoh's wife accused him of uh, molesting her. He was thrown into prison. So it was one thing after another, one tragedy after another. But he became the second most powerful man in the world. He reconciled with his brothers at the end of the story, and here's what he says to his brothers. You intended, harm, uh, to, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now what that means is that despite all these terrible things that happened to Joseph, God was intervening and he made all of those things turn for good because God is working his grace in a fallen world. 
Now, very difficult and trying things happen in your life, very disappointing things, discouraging things, people around you and so forth. But God's promises, though you might not see it at the time, God is working in all those things, his grace, his unconditional love, and at some point in time, he's going to turn all that around, he's going to work good for you, particularly those of you who are children of God, born again of the Spirit of God. Now, God does this, and it's, and, and it's amazing he, do, he does it. The epitome of all he does is through Christ Jesus. That right in the middle of history, God did something profound and wonderful. He became a human being and entered into the world in Jesus of Nazareth. And as Jesus of Nazareth, God Almighty in the flesh, he should have been worshipped, but instead he was despised. But he knew that. He came into this world not to be worshipped, but to suffer. Listen to what the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 2. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, all of creation, chose to, <laughs> chose to bring many children into glory. That means you, if you trusted in, in him as Lord and Savior. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader fit to bring them into their salvation. So he didn't come in to be, into the world to be glorified. He came into the world to suffer, to identify with you and me. Whatever you go through in life, Jesus went through. If you were rejected in your life, Jesus was re- rejected in his life. If you were ever lonely in your life, Jesus was lonely in his life. Everything that you suffered, Jesus suffered. And he did it so that he would identify with you and that you might identify with him so that his grace could work in your fallen life and in a fallen world. Now... What I want to do over the next few minutes is I want to give you some, uh, in God, the trials that you go through in life, I want to give you some, what, what, what people call head answers. We're going to come back to this in just a moment, but these are head answers. In other words, what I mean is these are logical things that you can think about when you go through the trials and the suffering of life, and, and it, it should help you in your life. So if you've got a pencil, I want you to write these down at the very bottom of your paper. God's trials, first of all, They direct me. Write the word down, direct. Direct me. Proverbs 20, verse 30. Here's what it says. Physical punishment cleanses away evil. Such discipline purifies the heart. Now what that means is there are times in our lives we're going through trials, and we're going through trials because God is trying to get our attention. So many times are excuse me, in our lives we wander away from God, so God wants to bring us back, and there are times when he'll, he'll bring difficulties into our lives to get our attention. Secondly, if you turn your paper over, God's trials inspect me, inspect me. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Somebody once said that you, you, you can't know what's in a tea bag until you put it in hot water. Now, you don't know what you're really like until you go through the trials of life, until you are in hot water. And that begins to surface what you're really like. Well, God wants to show you what you're like so that you will trust in him in the trials of life. Thirdly, God's trials correct me. Psalm 119, verse 71. My suffering was good for me, King David wrote. For it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Now what that means is, you tell your child, don't put your hand on that hot stove, it'll burn you. You turn your back, what does your child do? Puts his hand on the hot stove, it burns him. But he won't do it again. And that's what David is saying. 
I, I did wrong things, and what it did, it taught me not to do those things anymore so that I come back to your law, to your decrees. Fourth, God's trials protect me. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Problems, my friends, many times are a blessing in disguise. The uh, pastor that uh, has put this study together, his name is Hal Seed, and he tells of a man that was in his congregation that uh, had a very good paying job, and uh, one day, without any notice, he was fired from his job. Uh, couldn't understand it, and he got cried out to God, prayed to God. His family was in uh, financial difficulties, and he said, God, what has happened? Why did you allow this? Why did this happen to me? Well, in less than a year's time, that company that he worked for, the authorities, took it over. They arrested the owner of the company and all the upper officials of the company, and most of them ended up going to jail. And what had happened was God had gotten his child out of there before he had been caught up in all the things that were, that were about to happen. So it was a, even though he couldn't understand it at the time, it was a blessing in disguise. God was protecting him, and God will protect you. You might be going through something and saying, what on earth is going on? But it may be that God is protecting you from something that you can't see, something that's on the way down the road. Fifth, God's trials perfect me. Romans 5, verse 3 and 4. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Now, the key there is character. Time and time again, we have reminded ourselves, you're not going to take your house with you to heaven. You're not going to take your car with you or your bank account to heaven. But the one thing that you will take with you to heaven is your character, that is what God is most interested in in your life today. Therefore, that is why God is developing your character. And his desire is to make your character more like Jesus' character in thought, in word, and in deed. Now, those are five uh, head answers. In other words, those are five answers that when you're going through trials, you can think about that, you can go to those scriptures, you can read them, and, and they'll give you insight into what you're going through. However... Once again, when you're going through trials, if you're like me, you don't want logical answers. You don't want head answers. What you really want are heart answers. You want to know, is God with me? Does God care? Does God love me? Is God going to see me through all of this? So what you and I need in the trials of life are heart answers. And that's why Psalm 34, 18 is so profound and wonderful and powerful. One of many, many passages. Listen to what it says. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Time and time again, you and I are crushed in spirit. You and I are overwhelmed by the sufferings of life, the trials of life. Our hearts are beating with inside of us. We want to know, God, do you care? Are you there? Will you see me through this? Once in a while, I get the uh, great privilege of working with my dear friend, Pastor Frank. And um, he does these, what they're called, intensives. And it's uh, Christian people that are going through difficulties and trials. And uh, he and some of his staff sit down with them, and they, they uh, talk with the person, they listen to the person, they pray with the person, very special way that they pray. And uh, this past Tuesday, he asked me to join him, and uh, he was working with a, a woman, uh, in her, I'd say she's in her mid to late 40s. And this woman had been through a lot of trials, going through a lot of trials in her life. When she was 16 years old, an older boy in her life violated her, 
uh, when she was younger, the uh, kids in the playground would bully her. That bullying has taken place all of her life. Even today, where she works, they bully her. She had a close friend that uh, was in a lot of uh, difficulties. So out of the kindness of her heart, she brought her close friend into her home. Well, her close friend got in an affair with her husband and ended up marrying her. Div- husband ma- divorced her and married the close friend. So it's been one trial, one suffering after another, time and time again. So as Pastor Frank talked with her and listened to her and prayed with her, uh, you could get a sense that there was kind of a wall there. And every direction that he went in, it would go so far and things would kind of come to a halt. Well, finally, at a point, he said to her, when you think back about all of these things that you've been through, how do they make you feel? Well, suddenly she said, they don't make me feel. And that's my problem. I don't feel anything. And he said, why don't you feel anything? She said, because I stuff everything that I go through. I stuff all my emotions. And he said, well, what do you think that looks like? Well, she closed her eyes and she said, I can see a barrel. And there's a lid on that barrel. And he said, well, there's a barrel. And that barrel is filled up with all of the emotions, all the stuff, all the struggles that you've been going through in your life and all the heartache. It's inside of that barrel. And don't you think it's about time that you took the lid off that barrel? She said, yes, how can I do this? He said, we're going to ask Jesus to do it. We're going to ask Jesus to take the lid off that barrel. So we prayed. And he said, right now, just ask Jesus. Well, her head was bowed, and it was quiet. And all of a sudden, she began to weep. But at the same time, she began to laugh and to cry because all that mess that was down inside of that barrel began to come up out of her. And she began to feel once again. She began to feel once again because God's grace was working in her fallen heart. God's grace. We look around the world today and we see suffering. We experience suffering. We experience heartache and brokenness. All of these things in the middle of the story we can't understand. But we are assured that God in his grace and mercy and love is working in his creation. And not only is he working in his creation, he's made a promise to us. And the third thing that I want you to write down is this. God promises that he's going to restore his creation. He made it perfect and beautiful and wonderful in every every way, and someday it's going to return to that glory. And a lot of us are saying, hallelujah, make it soon, Lord. Listen to uh, what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 20 and 21. Against its will, against creation's will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. In other words, he made everything wonderful. And all that he made did not want to be cursed, but it was cursed. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. That's a promise that God has made. So that when you and I are going through the trials, when you and I can't understand it, we need to pick our heads up, look to God, and understand that someday all of this is not going to remain as is. Someday it's going to be wonderful beyond our imagination. In fact, listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He's not dismissing the trials of life. He himself suffered greatly. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll you'll, you'll read all the suffering that happened in his life because of his faith in Christ. 
But he's saying everything that I went through in my life is going to pale compared to what's ahead and the glory of what God has for us through our faith in Jesus Christ. This uh, guy gave an illustration, and he said, uh, uh, life can be like a, a single year where in January your boss comes to you and says, we've got to fire you. And uh, not only losing your job and losing your income, uh, your wife gets sick and your children get sick. And uh, you get thrown out of your house because you can't pay your bills. But then all of a sudden in uh, March or April, somebody comes to you and says, uh, we're going to hire you if you'll work for us and we're going to pay you double what the other company paid you. And then somebody else comes along and says that a family member just died and you just inherited a million dollars. And then somebody else comes along and says, you just hit the, the stock market, went up, Here's whatever stock you had, it's just gone through the roof. And then somebody else comes by and says, uh, the, the lottery that you played, and don't play the lottery, but the lottery that you played, it hit a million bucks, and it just goes on and on and on. And so at the end of the year, they come to you and they say, how was your year? And you say, it was an amazing year, it was wonderful. It had a rocky beginning, but it had a wonderful ending. You see, in this world, we're going to have a rocky beginning. But what we're looking forward to is a wonderful, wonderful ending. And if you're like me, you might say, oh, Lord, why doesn't that happen today? God, why don't you come back today? God, why don't you take all the suffering away today? And God can do that because he's God. But at the same time, God doesn't want to do that, and here's why. You see, if God comes back today, my friends, You've got family members, you've got friends, you've got neighbors, you've got people that you work with, they'd be left behind. You've got people all around you that would end up going to hell. And God does not want them to go to hell. God loves them with all his heart. And that's why the Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 9, look at the bottom of your paper with me. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. In other words, when you say, God, today is the day. Come back today. I don't want to go through this anymore. He said, the Lord's not really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. That's why it may not happen today. Because God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, I want you to do yourself a favor. I want you to do yourself a favor and memorize John 16, 33. Look at the bottom of your paper with me, if you would. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Powerful words. Those words are given to you and me for the times when we're going through the struggles, the disappointments, the discouragements of life. So what I want you to do is I want you to read it with me, if you would. Here we go. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Listen, I encourage you, memorize that. Get that into your mind, into your soul, into your spirit, so that when you go through those trials, you can call that up, and it will comfort you and strengthen you. We've got uh, two, we've got all kinds of, of wonderful people in our church, but two in particular, uh, Howard and Marilyn Doucette, and uh, they're a great inspiration to us. We see all the things that they do in the church. It's just amazing. But what many of you don't know is that both of them, Howard and Marilyn, have gone through a lot of trials in their life. 
They've suffered a lot. They've had a lot of disappointments and discouragements. But at the same time, God has delivered them. And so I've asked Howard if he'd be willing to come up and uh, over the next few minutes to share some of the things that uh, uh, have occurred in his life and what God has done in his life to bring them through. So Howard, if you're ready and you don't mind, would you come up and share a little bit uh, with us? Morning. Not used to doing this, so you have to bear with me. <laughs> uh, sort of a story of uh, my sort of in my past life. Uh, I don't know if many of you know I was married once before to uh, my, my first wife, whose name was Suzanne, and we were married for uh, 43 years until she passed away. Um, when I was young, I accepted the Lord when I was about 12 and got baptized and everything. And during my lifetime, I kind of wandered in and out of church. I uh, wasn't always the best person around or, you know, worshiped the Lord the way I should. Uh, when I was about 20, we got married. We had some children. And uh, we both went to church. We brought our kids up in church. We had our grandchildren come to church. They got involved with the church and everything, and uh, our life was, you know, we had troubles, yes, but uh, I guess everyone does. Um, my wife used to, uh, you know, she prayed, she did a lot of praying, she uh, worked in the church, she uh, helped out with Bible school, she did uh, Sunday school teaching, she went and helped others, she was always helping other people. And one day she was, uh, I think she was like 48 years old, and she had a stroke just out of nowhere. I guess she'd had some uh, blood pressure problems and stuff, but uh, I was at work one day, and uh, my, they called me up and said that I needed to get home right away, and I found out that she'd had a stroke. But she was kind of a stubborn woman, so she didn't uh, want to go to the hospital or anything, so uh, we waited, waited like almost a week before I finally had to take her into the hospital. And uh, it was a struggle. She stayed there a couple of weeks, and then she decided she didn't want to do that anymore either, so we went home. And all through all this, we both believed that the Lord was going to heal her. We prayed about it. <clears throat> Sorry. We prayed about it. We believed, actually believed in our hearts, that Lord was going to heal her. But as time went by, this wasn't happening. I don't know if it was because we didn't pray hard enough or couldn't figure out what the reasons were. So as the years went by, as I said, I prayed, I read the Bible, I got angry at God. My attitude towards her wasn't always great, it wasn't very godly. I got mad at her, I, I swore at her, I did, I did all the things that I shouldn't have been doing. I didn't trust God like I should have. Then after 13 years, she passed away. I couldn't understand that either. I said, well, why God? Why did you let her live all this time just to have her go away? So after that, <clears throat> excuse me, I spent the next few months, you know, thinking about what I, you know, what, was going to happen in my life 
And like I said, uh, I couldn't understand why that he let us suffer all this time. What was the good, you know, what was the good of it? We read in the Bible about all things work together for good. But I couldn't see what the good of it was at the time. She suffered through all this, uh, you know, pains and stuff. And even the night she passed away at uh, about 1 o'clock in the morning, she woke me up, called my name. I told her to be quiet because I had just gone to bed. <laughs> While she was quiet, she never spoke again. So, and I suffered through guilt after that. But after a few months, uh, the Lord brought me through the other side. I started coming to church regularly, thankful for this church. And through that, on an Easter Sunday morning, Marilyn and I got together. Sorry. So since then, God's <coughs> since then God's plan has been working out very well for us. Mal and I both serve the Lord. We serve this church here. And we have a little love for each other. But it reminded me of a passage of scripture. Because I, uh, I used to read the Psalms all the time. Seeking God's direction. Seeking uh, you know, what he would say to me. Or seeking encouragement. But after all this time. The Psalm came to me. It was Psalm 139. 13-16. For you created my own most being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. <clears throat> Your works are wonderful. I know full well my frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. This is the part that spoke to me. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So through all my life and through all this, you know, goings on with my first wife, this is what God had intended for me all along. So that's my story. Thank you. Well, let's pray. Lord, when we look at our lives so many times we say why God why is this happening when you God are working in everything and you love us and you care for us and though we can't see it at the time your promises are always good you will see us through Lord I know that here this morning that there are so many people that are going through trials and difficulties of life they are suffering they need to hear from you, Lord. They need to experience your love and your grace. So right now, I'm going to ask the deacons and the elders if they would be willing to come forward and join me at the front of the church. And I want to give you an opportunity. God is speaking to you this morning through the word of God and through Howard's testimony. And whatever it is that you're going through, right? maybe you're going through something financial and you're just buried by it. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know which way to turn. You need somebody to pray for you. 
You may be going through something right now, maybe it's physical, you've been given a diagnosis that you didn't realize was, was happening, and you're frightened, you're scared. Or maybe it's a family member. You need somebody to pray for you. I'm going to invite you to come forward. You come forward and let somebody pray for you. Maybe you're experiencing guilt. You've done something that you're ashamed of. Nobody else knows it, but God knows it. You're fearful of God. You want to run away from God, but you know you can't run away from God. He loves you. You come forward. You take this opportunity. Whatever it is that you're struggling with in life right now, you have this opportunity. You come forward right now. And you let one of these people pray with you and pray for you. We want to give you this opportunity once again. We know that uh, it's always difficult to get up in front of people. You're concerned about what people think of you to your right or to your left, but be comforted. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. So we want to give you this opportunity. If you would, you come forward. You let somebody pray for you. Um, They can pray in French. We have people here, obviously, that can pray for you in English. But we want to give you this opportunity, whatever it is you're going through, that somebody is here to pray for you and pray with you. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence with us today, Father in heaven. We thank you, God, that you made all things good, but we confess and we admit that we are the ones that have stained your creation, marred it, distorted it. But God, you are good and you're working in your creation. You're working in our lives, despite the trials and the difficulties. And you want to encourage us and bless us, to strengthen us in our time of need. So Lord, we thank you for this morning. I pray for each and every one that has come this morning that you would bless them encourage them. May your grace be upon them. And we thank you for this, Lord, and we pray for it in Jesus' name. And so I want those of you who have not come forward, I wanted to uh, dismiss you now. And uh, we encourage you that as you leave quietly that you'd have a little time to spend with us in the fireside room next, next door. But at the same time, if you're going through trials and uh, you would like prayer, you come forward before you uh, leave the church this morning and let somebody pray for you and pray with you. 
But in the meantime, we thank you, Lord, and may your richest blessing be upon us. And we pray for this and we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 So anybody else who would like prayer, we encourage you to come forward.